You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's December 1st. It is CBA deadline day, which by the time this podcast is out, I I am almost sure, Peter, that things are going to happen uh, in terms of what we we will see across the board with all these roster moves. It's been nuts. Biggest headline of the day, Peter. The Yankees tender a contract to Gary Sanchez. You knew I wasn't starting anywhere else. Just baseball show. Dude, like, we, I understand they got they they tendered everybody. I get it, but we're just running it back with Gary. We're running it back. Gio Rochelle, they're all back. We heard Wilson Gutierrez might be on the block. Nope, nope. I I thought you were going to say the biggest headline was the Javier Baez trade, and we were going to talk about that. But no, you got to just throw no. Gary Sanchez back into my life. Thank you. Just like the Yankees continue to do. Yeah, but you know what? This is not a Yankee podcast. No, we're moving on. <laughs> Yankees. No, I did that. And I got to live with it. I I did that. I started it on a Yankees note this time, but I was excited to do it this time. And and you know what, Peter, I love you, but you are the second coolest person I've talked to in the last 48 hours. And that is not a slight of you. Not a slight at all. (laughs) I got to talk to Jason Stark on Outside the Box with Jeff Conine. And dude, that was so cool. I mean, cool. I, it is so cool to be able to talk to like my best friend and, and, you know, two of my best friends and you and Jack every single day. And that's something I don't take for granted, but every once in a while, when you mix in just a, like a legend like that, the most incredible thing is I feel like a lot of times you meet somebody that you, you idolize or look up to or whatever, and they're not the way that you think they are. I'm sure that happened to you big time in your job with the Yankees. I'm sure there were a bunch of good and, and but there's always going to be the negative too. Not everybody's going to be as Absolutely. good as they seem. He was even nicer and more down to earth and more kind than I thought he would ever be. And I'd already heard nothing but great things about him. You know, Jeff had told me pleasure to work with such a nice dude. And he was even nicer than that. Was there somebody for you? Like, did you have a person like that with, I think I know who you're going to say, but was there a person like that with the Yankees? I know you said Aaron Boone was super nice. Yeah. So I was on the field and I was a 20 year old intern and I'm standing right next to the dugout and Aaron Boone walks up from the steps and I say, what's up, Aaron? Like, have a good game today. Like, just like so nervous. And he points me. He's like, thanks, man. What's your name? And like comes up and talks to me. 
and I'm just standing there and he has like a five minute conversation with me. I'm like, you didn't have to do that Not at all. But there's some guys who are just like that, that just they and that's why, you know what, maybe selfishly, I'm always kind of be going to be on Aaron Boone's side a little bit. Yeah. Like Maybe will I hold him accountable, of course. And do we know exactly how much he's managing? Maybe not, but I know that he's a good dude. Yeah. And Jason Stark, I mean, go everyone, go watch that podcast episode on our YouTube, just baseball media, or listen to it on audio outside the box with Jeff Conan and arm. Like it's such a good interview and just his voice similar <laughs> to when we interviewed Bob Costas, right? Yeah. It's just as soon as it clicks, you're like, wow, like that's baseball. That's what baseball sounds like. Yeah. Starkville, Jason Stark. I mean, he's one of the greats and you got to talk to him. It's awesome. It's like that voice is talking to me. You know, like, you almost I almost forgot to reply you know, when, when I was listening to you guys on the on the Costas episode. I was like, I wonder if they almost forgot to reply because you're just so <laughs> used to only listening to Costas. You don't talk to Costas. You just listen to Costas. And it's the same thing with Stark. I mean, I obviously read his work, but he's, he's a big personality now, too. You know, you see him on MLB Network where you listen to his podcast on, on Starkville, which is also awesome. And like, I'm just used to him talking at me. Uh, so to be able to just have a conversation with him and not to mention, I mean, Jeff was so awesome, too, because. They cross paths. I mean, they're talking about the Bartman game from Jeff's perspective on the field to, you know, Stark's perspective as a writer. And it's just things that like, I just never thought I would have that opportunity. So, you know, there's, there's just the special thing here where I get to talk to my friends three times a week about baseball and then just how we've been able to take that into talking to people we've idolized about baseball too, every once in a while sprinkled in there. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those days where we're just like, wow. You know, and also, really you grateful. know, some of those media personalities, like there, there's a lot of good ones, but there's a lot of f- famous ones that aren't so good. No, that and, wouldn't necessarily drive that same amount of love for us. But, you know, we're not going to mention anything. No. But Stark tweeted us out like four times, man. And like, I know. Talk about that for a little bit. So <laughs> yeah. So Stark, you know, it, uh, I, I think he he he's usually not he's not a complex Twitter guy. Like he fires out his articles and you know what? He's got 600,000 freaking followers. That's all he needs to do. He, he pumps out the articles. Uh, but I think he, he, there was a lot going on. I think he was in a hurry and he just <laughs> he the first tweet. I think there was a typo uh, that he quote tweeted of our article. So then he deleted it. Then he put another tweet up, but forgot to quote tweet the article. So imagine Jason Stark and his 600,000 followers. <laughs> he just tweeted. Out great talking to Aram, not doesn't tag me. Great talking to Aram and the great Jeff Conine today, and and there's nothing attached to the tweet. <laughs> it's just that I'm just looking He's at updating Jason us on his day. Yeah, just had a fun talk. Just had a fun talk about with Aram. No, no last name, just Aram. Yeah, oh. so I'm just like this is crazy. You know, Jason Starks just tweeting my name and whatever. He 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 gave it another go and then tagged me and tweeted the article out. And just like the fact that he did that, like I wasn't going to ask him to do that. He tried. I'm not going to ask him. I'm like, Hey, can you do it again? No shot. He was nice enough to tweet it once. Um, so, so that was pretty cool, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that. I thought that was super awesome. I know you had that feeling when you got to interview Bob Costas and this was similar to me or for me, because, you know, I've had the opportunity to talk to players and that's freaking cool too. But you know, when, when you're aspiring, like you and I are to, to, be in a similar place to where he's at and, you know, just seeing what he's accomplished, all the places he's been and to still be so kind. That's the thing is, is I really hope. And, and I expect you to be that way too. If we make it to that, to that point in our lives, 
to, to be that way as well. Um, and I thought that was a really cool lesson to learn as well, just because of how much that, that rubbed off on me. I mean, you, you know, like you change with more popularity. No, you should just get better at your job. That doesn't mean that you can like take it and like, Oh, I'm better than this person because at the end of the day, people care what's on the field. People don't necessarily care about my own personal personality. No. They want to know the information. So I'm never going to put myself above any of that no, and never say fun. that I'm right. hundred percent of the time. We're also not a group that says, Oh, we are direct insider sources and everything we say is gold. No, no, no. You're getting our reactions. You're getting our personality. We love talking about the game and we genuinely enjoy it. And that's never going to be lost with us because that's the reason we started it. And I hope when we make it, hopefully one day, that's going to stay because that's who we are. Well, speaking of, I also want to thank the listeners because we've had three consecutive weeks. And that was well said, by the way, three consecutive weeks now of our record and listens. And, yeah. you know, the season you, ended and it, that, that is amazing. And, and I, it's, it's talk about humbling as well. So it's been a really awesome couple of weeks, super grateful for everybody. And uh, it's just crazy to see the listens go up. And I promise we're going to, we're going to keep it rolling through this lockout. Uh, but speaking of that, you know, keeping it rolling through the lockout by the time this is out, we're still going to have probably, you know, a good 16 to 18 hours left, maybe a little bit less than that uh, whenever somebody's listening, but there's going to be some time left in this CBA, which means we have this soft deadline or it's a hard deadline, I guess, but it's just not really an actual like, deadline but it, be, it became one artificially and now we're seeing all of these flurry of moves and it's a lot of yeah. fun uh and it's really chaotic and i honestly wish free agency was like this all the time it's like the nba it's like it's way like better. the nfl it's, it's way way better the circumstances make it suck because now we're gonna have a stalemate in a month or for a month in a couple of days but when we go into this final day here, do you think there's going to be a lot more moves to be made? Like, do you think that there's still a lot to be figured out? Because we're going to talk about some of the things that happened today. Javi Baez, you know, landing a deal with the Tigers. The Marlins made another trade that I think is low key, a good one. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about some of the tenders and non-tenders. There's been some interesting moves, but I still feel like we got a lot more coming up. I feel like tomorrow is going to be another whale of a day. Carlos Correa unsigned. Nick Castellanos, yeah. unsigned. Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Story, all these relievers, Kenley Jansen, Rossiel Iglesias. There's plenty of names still left on the board. <laughs> that, that's why I, I know that it's not that big of a deal for them to tender all of those guys. So when I say them, I mean the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> My anger comes back when it's, I just saw Wilson Contreras landing planes on his Twitter. Yeah, what the what the hell was that? At least, well, first, he thinks he's gone. I mean, they just signed Jan Gomes. And to talk about the Cubs situation, the Cubs haven't signed a position player to a two-year, $13 million deal like Jan Gomes had since the 2015 offseason with Jason Hayward. Yeah, and I mean, it was a terrible deal. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't even a good deal. But no. I was genuinely shocked by that. Yeah. I mean, what did you think about that when you heard that? Yeah, that, you know, it's it's funny because it makes sense. Once you hear it, you realize, oh, wait, all of their stars, for the most part, were homegrown or traded for. Yeah. Nobody was free agent. And that's crazy. Like, that, that's something I never even thought of. And when you think about that now, it's like, OK, they are a team that went for it and they went for it more in the prospect trade route. They never really did give out big free agency deals. Is that something that 
we expect to continue. And that, I don't know. But the interesting thing is that I think it says a lot because even when they were going for it, they weren't spending a ton of money. And now Cubs fans are expecting them to be big players. I know that the Cubs front office has given that facade a little bit, but this is a team and this isn't to knock the Cubs. I think they did a fantastic job at the deadline. I thought they did a really good job to get Pete Crow Armstrong uh, for Javier Baez for a rental for a few months to get Nick Madrigal for a guy, Craig Kimbrell, that really ended up struggling. I mean, to get some of the guys that they got, they got a ton of good prospects. Uh, I mean, the deal that they got, uh, they loaded up with Kevin Alcantara, you know, a lot of interesting prospects from the Yankees as well. Like they did a great job, but they are far off. You look at the, and that's okay. That's okay. You have to start at the bottom. And I was even making the argument that I was, if, if I was in the guardian situation, I do not want to, if I'm a general manager, I do not want to be stuck in mediocrity. Hmm. I either want to commit to the rebuild because we saw the Rays and the Astros. These are bottom of the barrel teams. Yeah. And now look at them. They've developed this. And the Cubs, this is not going to be another 108 years. The Cubs will be back. And they're smart people in that front office now. Theo Epstein left his mark. The Cubs will be back. But if I get another DM arm from a Cubs fan being like, why do you hate our team? I'm like, what? How? I love the Cubs. telling you. That it's the best idea for you guys not to spend $100 million to go get Chris Bryant. Because we were talking before the recording. Their lineup. You get Chris Bryant third. It looks kind of sexy. But is he right behind, you know? Swindell. Swindell is cool. Yeah. Rafael Ortega. Okay. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. There's just not. They're not that good. And They're not that's okay. The pitching, like wh- wh- who's pitching? Oh, Hendricks, Wade Miley. You know he that was, was a good pickup. Good pickup. You know? Okay. Good. 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 Clint, okay. Clint, Clint Frazier is an outfielder. If like, he can see the ball, it's <laughs> a good start. He had those vision problems. That's a good start. I mean, the swing plays. That's yeah. the thing. It's like, what are we doing here? You just signed Jan Gomes to the biggest free agent deal since 2015. And when I say 2015, we're we're a month away from 2022. It's been a while. It's been a while. Been a while, yeah. but I don't need to keep freaking out about the Cubs. I just keep getting all this like it's the Cubs fans coming at me. I'm like, what? What? I didn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, like, look, and like, we don't even know if Pat Wisdom's going to be what he was during that stretch. Like, he it would seem like very unsustainable. And we'll see how he looks. And you know, Madrigal's coming off of a big, big injury that you know knocked him out for the entire season. A fully torn hamstring. That's a, that's a big deal. I think he'll be okay, but I mean, that's a big deal. Hap supremely struggled and we'll see if, you know, what his situation is with them. And if he's going to be a part of the team moving forward, it seems like Contreras is a big question mark too. And that's a big drop off from Contreras to Jan Gomes. And then Jan Gomes is a solid catcher, but you know, Contreras, when it's all working for him, especially offensively, he's one of the best catchers in baseball. So this is a team that's just not there yet. And I don't see why spending a hundred million dollars here or a hundred million dollars there makes sense. That being said, something else we were talking about before is we're hearing teams like the Rockies want to go for it. And, and we're hearing maybe the Cubs want to go for it. I don't get it. I don't get it, man. I do not get it. But you know what? I'm never going to shame a team for doing yes. that, right? Like I, like, I feel bad for laughing because I would love for the Rockies. It's you good. Know, just it's to, good. Maybe they resent story, and then it's fun. But like, yeah. what, I just, I don't, I don't. When we're saying this, it's not that we don't want the teams to be to try. It's that you make other moves that make it seem like you're not trying, and then you come back. 
and, and then like, you oh. are trying it's like at least be consistent yeah that's that's this just like the mixed messages and, and again like it's good for baseball to have small market teams spending and and trying to be competitive and not tanking like i commend the rockies if they end up actually doing that it could be they could just be all be smoke screens say oh we tried we were in on chris bryant but it didn't work out he didn't take our 80 million dollar offer you know like it could be oh, no. one of those things but you know Looking at it from that lens, like I'm okay with them spending money. I, I just think that it's also important to be realistic. You could go get a star uh, and sign him to a seven-year deal and say, we're going to be competitive in three. And he's he knows what he's signing up for. But how many guys are signing up for that? You know, Marcus Semien signed, I think, under the assumption that there was going to be another star coming in. And he knew that. And, and now you look at the Rangers, you know, they go get another star. And they told him, we're going to do more than that. I'm, I'm positive they told them that, you know, and so then they go get John Gray. Uh, and, and also, I mean, the Rangers system is, is vastly improved, too, with a lot of guys that are close to big league ready. So that's a more understandable situation. I look at the Rockies. Why would anybody want to go there other than the fact that you can rake? Like if I'm Michael Conforto, I'll sign a one year deal there. But who's signing a long-term deal with the Rockies right now? They didn't even have a GM and then just de facto appointed their GM to their interim GM to full-time GM. Is that really a team you want to be a part of? I I don't understand. I agree. And think about this. I mean, word gets around. All these guys play with each other. You think you hear about how these guys were treated Mm -hmm. and then you want to then Go sign with them. I mean, money talks. Yeah. We saw that with Marcus Semien. We saw that with Corey Seager. But I think what is very interesting, and I want to talk to you about the Javier Baez thing, but Corey Seager got $325 million. I wonder if Carlos Correa is truly valued higher. Yeah. It's a great question. Corey Seager. I'm genuinely curious because. I've said it before. I didn't want to give either of them this amount of money. And it had to do with them staying on the field. Mm -hmm. And the matter of the fact is that I would just way rather have Correa or not Correa. I'd way rather have Seager's bat. I'd you'd much rather have Correa's defense. Yeah. But give me the bat. Yeah. I'll take the bat. Mm -hmm. So is Carlos Correa truly going to get 350? Or is he actually going to be 275, maybe 250? I mean, it's still a ton of money. I think it's a great question because it's something I was thinking about too is, yeah, usually the preceding deals set the market. However, yeah. I feel like teams are going to say, look, none of us were willing to go 325 on Seager. That's why he's over in Texas. They had yep. to overpay. That yep. doesn't mean that we're going to overpay for you. We're going to give you the market value for you unless there's somebody else willing to overpay. And, and I think that's going to be the thing. And I think the only team that was willing to overpay for anybody is the Rangers. And I'm not sure that there's going to be another team that's willing to do that. So I don't know if that makes Correa get more. Theoretically, it should. I just don't think that there's going to be a team willing to do that. I think the one team that was really willing to go above market value did it already. And now we're going to see Correa more, I think, either matching that deal or more towards the 300 range. That's my opinion. I could totally be wrong, uh, but that's kind of what I was thinking. I was also waiting to talk to you to you about this too. Seeger got 325. That's an interesting number because 300 comes before that. Who offered him 10 for 300? Who did someone offer? had to have. There is no way they were bidding against themselves. Yeah. I don't even know who would offer him 10 for 300. 
You, you wouldn't right. Yeah, I mean, that's steep. That is steep. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. 10 for 300 for a guy that missed. What was it? Two. I sent the text the other night, 239 games since 2018. Is that what it was? It was something close to that. It was over 200 games. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's a season and more. I mean, and I love Seager. I, I, like I Seager. love Seager. We I'm both love Seager. To, I'm not, yeah, we're not trying to diminish Seager. It's, it's like 10 years. It's a decade. You're signing up for a decade. He's going to be 38 years old, 37, 38 years old. You know, and so a guy who's already tailing off defensively already. Yes. And we're already moving him to third base, basically. It's, it's, it's interesting. I still love it. You know, just because it's fun as hell. You know, like, fun. it's There's fun no as hell. The Texas that. Rangers have one of the best middle infields in baseball. Fuck it. Like, that's sick. Good. I like it. But, but like, yeah, it's it's nuts. And, and that was something I was. So I'm working on an article right now and I, I was going to put it out today. And I realized I was like, why don't I just wait and do them all in one article? I wanted to grade all of the big moves from the last, oh, you know, 72 hours plus. And I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, OK, how do you give anything other than an A for Marcus Semien and Corey Seager? Because at the end of the day, you got two of the better players in baseball. We're talking about two top 20 players in baseball on your team that you didn't have otherwise. I think that it's, that makes it automatically better than a B plus, but you can't give it an A plus, right? Because at the end of the day, there is an inherent risk here. You have both players under contract very expensively until they're 37 and 38 years old. Like that has to factor in a little bit. So I was like, is, is a minus, I guess, right? Like, is, is, is that what it is? Cause if you give Seager seven years, it's an A plus, right? But 10 years is a lot. Like that is, that is a large commitment to a player who has missed almost two full seasons over the last three and a half, right? Like is, is an A minus what you would give that? I know it's all arbitrary, but it's just like, that was a, that was a weird thought process for me. Can I, can I admit something? I either have valued the entire market wrong or I don't even like any of the contracts. That I know. I've noticed you continuously say too much. Money. I don't like Javi. I don't like the six years, 140. I think it was too much. I mean, I predicted these contracts because I thought that's what they were going to get valued at. I, I predicted five for 100 for Gosman. But that's like I more reasonable. Five for 110 for Ray. And they were very similar to that. But I, I wouldn't have given that much money for him. For Ray, I wouldn't have given that much money for Gosman. I wouldn't have given Javi that contract. Neither would I have given Seager. I love Semyon, but seven for 175 is a lot. That may work out. That's the one where I'm like, all right, that one's I not like too that bad. Contract. No, that one's not too bad. That one could have been like, I'd, really, I'd rather go six. I'd rather go six, but you know, like that's a Texas Rangers. You got to convince him, go seven. And if I could be completely honest with you, I didn't love the Burrio signing either. I thought it was a little bit too much. I did. One. But you know what's the one I liked? Sandy Alcantara, five. <laughs> yeah, you, you loved it. You can't like, not yes, like that one. Sick. You can't not like that one. That one's can't insane. Not like that one. Um, great deal. And, and it was the, you know, the big reason why the Marlins were able to get him for it was five years, $56 million, was that nobody ever signs pitchers to pre arbitration deals like that. Like he, he still has three years Martinez. Yeah. So, I mean, that is a huge, huge thing. And people are like, oh, how did they get him so cheap? Three years pre arb, like that's that's crazy. He has now financial security, and the Marlins have a twenty one million dollar option on the back end, so it's perfect for both sides. Uh, but I want to talk about bias because I I think he's so risky. Obviously, 
But at the end of the day, six years, 140 isn't the worst thing in the world. I'd rather go like 40 years on bias, but they had to do it. Did the Tigers. I just think if you're making one splash like that, I want it to be a splash on a player that I know is going to play pretty close to his potential uh, as long as he's on the field. Right. Like that's I want the question to be health (laughs) as crazy as that sounds. I don't want the question to be like consistency and ability. And I feel like, you know, Javi was great as a Met. I just I I am a little bit worried that he could, you know, just fall in between. I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was in the beginning of the season with the Cubs. But if he falls between where he was as a Met and where he is was as a Tiger or not Tiger, excuse me, where he was as a Cub last year, like that's not worth it. And I wonder where he's at there. I will say, though, I really commend the Tigers for making a big move because they have the young core. They overachieved last year. And now this is a fun team, man. You got Badu. Oh, yeah. You got Badu. You've got Javi Baez. You've got Candelario, Jonathan Scope. You've got Spencer Torkelson. They went and got Tucker Barnhart. They've got Eric Haas, who I thought was interesting off the bench and, and can kind of do a little bit of everything. They've got. Riley Green in the pipeline, Miggy Cabrera, who, who can be good in certain roles, and he's still Miggy. Uh, still Robbie Miggy. Grossman's a sneaky good player. Like this is a good, this is a sneaky good team. They've got a young rotation that's interesting. They went and got Eduardo, who you know I think is actually going to have the XFIP kick in in that ballpark. I so, think he will. Yeah. So you know, th- this is an interesting team. I just, I think that they were trying to stay under two hundred. And, you know, he was kind of that sweet spot, right? Like, who else are you getting that's an impact player at 140? Semyon, maybe, and that's it, right? Can I say something? I just, like, I wish the Tigers had gotten Semyon for this reason. I wish, first of all, this is a young core of players. I know that they still have Miguel Cabrera in there. But they really need a veteran, everyday leader to lead the charge. Marcus Semyon is a guy who plays every single day. And first of all, is just a better player than Javier Baez. Yeah. Javier Baez is booing his own fans. (laughs) Is there going to be a point where you're bringing up the Spencer Torkelsons? You're bringing up the Riley Greens. And you need a leader to show those guys how to play. Because we all know that baseball is an absolute grind. There are very few players that can jump in and immediately learn it like nobody's business. Juan Soto is like one of them. Even Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had to deal with a weight problem. And then he finally launched off. And who was on his team? Marcus Semyon. Am I giving Marcus Semyon all the credit for Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Prove Vladdy on the treadmill. Um, Yeah, obviously (laughs) not. But what I'm saying is you put Javi Baez into the Tigers locker room. And we can talk about his play all day. I just think he strikes out too much. I don't think he's the defender that people say. But past that, is he a guy that guys are going to rally behind and say Javier Baez is the leader of the Detroit Tigers? Because I think that's what they were looking for when they were searching for the 100 to $200 million man. Why didn't they just give 7 to 180 to Semyon? That $40 million could not only be better on the field, but it could be better long-term for the Torkelsons and the Riley Greens and the Dylan Dinglers and all these guys. I totally agree. I think you make an excellent point because, you know, and I don't think Javi's like, I don't think he's, he's not a cancer, right? I, I think, no, he's, no, I'm not calling. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm leading my point in because, okay. you know, I, like I'm not saying that you even insinuated that. I, I just think he's not, he's not a leader 
in, in that regard, right? Like he's not, I don't think he's a Marcus Semien esque leader. And I think that's the most important point. Like I, th- I think that when you look at a Javi Baez, like would Marcus Semien in any context, like boo his own fans or would he get into some of the, 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 I guess, PR nightmares that we've seen. I mean, Baez is a likable guy and turns into a fan favorite. And maybe that he can, you know, lead by example of, of playing hard. And maybe he learned his lesson in New York, but I look at a Marcus Semien and you see Bo Bichette's reaction to him, you know, potentially leaving when that, yeah. when that was discussed, you see what the players discussion was of that. Like that is somebody that could really help this team as a leader. Yes, they have Miggy. And I think that's, that's the one saving grace here is that Miggy's going to kind of be that guy, but Miggy's not going to be here that much longer. And, and I think that's something next season. No. And I would much rather have had Marcus Semien. I wonder if it was a matter of interest for Semyon and just not wanting to to go there. You know, that could could have been a part of it. I will say Baez was great down the stretch. You know, we have to give credit and we did. We, we did give credit where credits too. 138 WRC plus over his last 180 played appearances, eight home runs, 28% K rate, 7% walk rate, which is well above his, his average. But that's a good stretch where maybe he was seeing the ball well. The thing that scares me a ton is that, you know what? He didn't do that much of that over even his entire career. Like he's had great years. But even when we look at it as a whole, I mean, he's only had one season with a war over F war over five. Marcus Simeon had an F war almost at seven was a 6.6 last year. <laughs> They're not in the same ballpark. Am I? No, they aren't. And, and, and for that much money, that's why I just like, I don't sometimes get it. Yeah. I, unless I it was a Simeon thing, unless it was a Simeon thing, right? It could like, have been a Simeon. Like that, I just really want to go to Texas. Yeah. It yeah. can't have been that arm. No way. He he doesn't, just, what if he hates he the Midwest to go to Texas? What if he hates the cold? I, hates I don't know. But I mean, that's the crazy thing is like, listen to these WRC pluses for Javi Baez since 2015 at 2015. He only played 28 games. So 2016, 94, then 98, then 131, 112, 55, and then 116 last year. And just to repeat, 100 WRC plus is perfectly major league average. Every percentage point above is how many percentage point above major league average. And then obviously the same is below. So, so 6% and so below he's like, uh, Yeah, I mean, you said it yourself. Yeah, 6% below average, 2% below average, 31% above average, 12% above average, 50% or 45% below average, and then 16% above average. Great finish to the year, but is that enough? for me to be encouraged to give six years? Uh, the answer is no. Um, but again, I'm happy that the Tigers are, are making a move or are, are making impactful decisions. Javi Baez makes this team better. Uh, yes. That's something that no one's going to do. You know, neither of us are going to debate. He makes this team more exciting. Absolutely. And that's also important. He's going to sell more tickets. Absolutely. Uh, he's going to bring Detroit fans and Detroit is a great sports town and actually a great baseball town, but they've just not had a competitive product out there for so long. It, it, it just hasn't been fair to them. So even if Javi is volatile, he is going to put butts in the seats and that is good for baseball as a whole too. But if we're talking about just from a, just a winning perspective, I don't know if this was the best move, but if they're willing to shell out the money, then they're willing to shell out the money. Let's see what else they do and if they make any other impact moves. But it seemed like to me the other options fell through and they just went with the de facto like, hey, we got to make a splash. Let's just do hobby. And and that's where I'm not a huge fan of it. 
And you, we've talked a ton about how I mean, we could, I mean, you and I will probably talk post-recording just more about this Javier Baez deal. Cause I still find him one of the most fascinating players. He in is baseball fascinating because he's so polarizing, but someone who's, you know, there's some players who aren't that polarizing, but it still matters. Richard Rodriguez was non-tenored by the Braves. I mean, what a fall from grace. Isn't this guy it? was one of the go-to reliever arms at the deadline. And now he's being non-tenored. That is why. Okay. I want to ask you this and Jack, I hope you're listening. Cause it was our first argument. Kendall Graveman signed with the White Sox. Yeah. And the White Sox continually give more and more money to this bullpen. And they are dismissing the fact that Lucas Giolito has not made that leap into ace yet. Lance Lynn most likely will take a step back. If the old Lance Lynn, who's a year older than he was, 35, 36 years old, right? How old is Lance Lynn at this point? I think he might be going on 37, dude. And he's only throwing fastballs. Maybe he proves everyone wrong. No, I'm so season. wrong. I was so wrong. He's 34. But oh, he's 34. Okay, okay, that's not. Well, he'll be he'll be 35 by a season start. Okay, 35 year old Lance Lynn. Is he going to be the same Lance Lynn again? Dylan Cease. I, he took a step forward, and I do genuinely like him. Yeah. But you're going to lose Rodon, and then who provided you Cy Young level caliber pitching, yeah. and then you move on. And he said Michael Kopech's ready. I'm like. When was he ready? I mean, he could be ready, but when did he show you that he was ready? And then I said, they should be immediately addressing the starting pitching rotation. And because I said, starting pitching builds championships. Your team is based off the starting pitching calendar. I mean, not gambling advice, but we're on it every single day. And we know that you have the better starting pitcher. You are more likely to win. You have Jacob DeGrom. You're more likely to win game one. That matters. The bullpen, you can have a great bullpen. And sometimes, you know, momentum comes your way. Uh, You know, those Royals teams, sometimes these Yankees, but it's built on starting pitching. Do you agree or do you disagree? I mean, that's the one thing Jeff always says on the podcast. He's like, for a team to to be successful, you've got to have those three. Obviously, you have to be five deep, but you have to have the three horses. <clears throat> Excuse me. You've got to have the three horses because like that's that's what you can count on, especially when you go into a seven-game series, but also just throughout the season, just knowing at least more than half of your rotation gives you an advantage. So more than half the time, you have the advantage. And that's kind of what you have to have. And, you know, the White Sox are, are a good ball club, obviously, have a ton of talent. But I really did want to see them go get an arm. Maybe they will. But I do think they have a lot of faith in their guys they already have. Clearly, Crochet is never leaving the bullpen. At least that's that's what it seems like to me. Kopik, I think he can be a great starter, but they haven't really rolled him out there. And, and we don't know what he's going to be. So if he struggles, then then what? You know, I, exactly. I would have liked to have seen get them see what like to have seen them get a Marcus Stroman or something like that. Uh, and on the reliever side, you know, we see the volatility. Kendall Graveman, I think, was fantastic. Obviously, he was one of the best relievers in baseball last year, but it's a volatile spot. And he wasn't that great a couple of years ago and, and reinvented himself. And we'll see. Richard Rodriguez went from you know, one of the more coveted uh, relievers and one of the nastiest, not even nasty. He only throws a fastball. That's the craziest part. He only throws like a low nineties fastball. He was one of the most unhittable guys for a stretch to legitimately hitting a fat wall and not even being a part of the postseason roster and not getting tendered a contract. Like that shows you the volatility of the reliever position. Why are we making that a priority in free agency? I want somebody incredibly established. If I'm going to spend big money, Liam Hendricks, I'm okay with that. You know, like that's Liam freaking Hendricks. I think Graveman will be fine. I think he'll be really good for you. Would you be surprised if Liam Hendricks took a big step back next year and like blew up and wasn't that good? 
I mean, I, like, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. I, I mean, it would Kirby be like, Gates, well, I, I would, Gates, for example, just signed with the Braves. He was a guy who just was electric. Then he got hurt. And now he's, you know, on the chain. like, that's what th- sometimes relievers are. That's why I've watched all the big deals. And then I'm looking at the Yankees bullpen. I'm looking at all these bullpens and I'm like, the best relievers are the guys making two million a year. The Joely Rodriguez's, the Wandy Peraltas, the Clay Holmes, the Jonathan Lewisigas, not the Chapmans, not the Britons. Even like, Kenley, man, look at the, even look at Kenley. The of Kenley, he was great this year because he figured it out again. But it Talk was it was, any Dodger it was a fan, roller coaster. They're terrified. They're, they were terrified. terrified to watch him. Yeah, roller coaster. And, and that was a guy that was as consistent as anybody and, and is on his track to potentially being a Hall of Famer. And, and it was the best relievers of our kind of decade. I mean, yeah. Kenley Jansen. Absolutely. Roller coaster. Also, one thing about the Dodgers does make me kind of happy because, I mean, you know, Dustin, one of my boys, big Dodger fan. I love getting in his grill. The only thing the Dodgers have done, Andrew Heaney, Daniel Hudson. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. But I'm terrified of something. Max Muncy tore his UCL and the Dodgers have money. Are they going to steal Freddie? Dude, that would make me so upset. I would like, I, and they were Freddie saying needs like, to be in Atlanta. Freddie. I was like, all right, I know I'm a Yankee fan. Freddie should not leave the Braves. That's like Jeter leaving the Yankees or one of these main staple guys that you got to write. Like he should just be a brave, like give him whatever he wants and just keep him in Atlanta. I don't even want him. Give me Matt Olson instead. I, I mean, you can make the argument kind of who's better. Yeah, keep, Freddie's better. Keep him in Atlanta. Keep him in Atlanta. Like, like, I don't even want him. Just he belongs there. Alex Anthopoulos, if you yeah. are watching, you just won the World Series. Mighty Sign your guard. Is your entire team. He's your franchise. I know that you have other talent. You could probably be competitive without him. He's Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is the Braves. The Braves are Freddie Freeman. What are we doing? Pay him. Doing? You can afford it. Pay him. This is stupid. If you let him go to the Dodgers, Alex Anthopoulos is enemy number one. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. He can put together a World Series roster, but you lose Freddie Freeman, you're back in the shitter. No, not really. I mean, he was. But, like, kind of. Kind of. Like, what a terrible way to defend your title. I know. Could you imagine? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You just won the World Series. Woohoo. You're going to hang the banners up. You're going to have the ring ceremony. And Freddie Freeman's not going to be there. Are you, you kidding also me? think? Do you think any Braves fan, let's say they gave him seven years, 250 and just gave him an insane boatload of money. I think any Braves fan would be like, wait, you know what? I don't like that AAV. I don't think we, nobody is. There'd be one freak show. Saying There'd be one freak show that says it. But, but no, no, yeah. <laughs> but you're right. No one's gonna give a no one cares. Like everybody, I would give if him you're a trying to check. save face. I, I just him, genuinely don't understand. I'd give him equity. I'd give him freaking equity, dude. Like he's Freddie Freeman. Can you imagine if he had equity in the Braves? I'd give him a percent of the Braves. <laughs> I think that's what the Mets gave Max Scherzer, basically. <laughs> that's equity in the Mets. 43.3 million for a you know what? I was talking about the live. They were like, do you hate it? And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, in hindsight, 43.3 million for a 37-year-old starter for three years. Yeah, I'm not sitting here being like, ooh, good value. But, I mean, if you're going to give it to any 37-year-old, Max Scherzer's probably that guy. And money ain't a thing. Like, if money ain't a thing, then who cares? Steve Cohen spent $141 million on a sculpture. You think he cares? <laughs> the rounding error for him. That's more than Starling Marte. That sculpture is more than Starling Marte, like and Canna. Twice as much. <laughs> like, and, and Escobar. 
Yeah, and ask like screw them all. I have a sculptures that are worth more than you. Uh, that that says it in itself. But I, I think that the one thing I want to like wrap up on the reliever side is that look, it's always good to get a reliever. Like I'm not going to say that it was a bad move, but. Look at some of the better bullpens that we've seen. I know that the White Sox bullpen was great, but we talked about some of the best bullpens. Yes, the Dodgers spent, uh, but they spent everywhere. But like, look at the Giants, look at the Rays, look at even the Yankees. I know that the Yankees spent on their bullpen, but it ended up being that their best arms for the most part were the guys they didn't really spend on, like the Loisigas of the world. Like you can create bullpens without spending a ton of money. And it just fascinates me that teams still try try to want to like circumvent that whole process and just and not just develop their own relievers and it's weird to me. Like you'd rather pay $45 million for a reliever when we're, we're seeing these Camillo Duvall's appearing. <laughs> like it, it, the thing is, is, is Camillo Duvall's a freak. And, and there's a lot of freaks like that. David Bednar of the pirates, like that guy emerging is disgusting. There's so many relievers that pop up nowadays. I would never be able to justify giving $45 million unless it's Liam Hendricks and the rest of my team is perfect. And I still would struggle to justify it at that point. I still would too. I, Cause I, I just go back to it. And yeah, maybe there's one-off scenarios like a Liam Hendricks, but I think in general, whenever I see a reliever contract, that's multiple years, you know, for example, the Padres today, they're signing Tim Hill, Emilio Pagan, like one to $3 million deals. And I'm like, yeah. that's perfect. Do that. Perfect. Everyone should be doing that. Those are valuable, good arms. If they blow up, whatever, they're replaceable. Like that's, exactly how they should be doing it but even getting past the reliever situation miami marlins are showing up today your miami marlins are showing up today not (laughs) only did you guys get joey wendell but we haven't even talked about the fact you guys got jacob stallings yeah and i mean avisel garcia four years 53 million dude that that one you know like it's one of those where it's like i know that stuff. It, it's definitely too much money. And, yeah. and, but it's at the end of the day, they don't spend yes, yes, yes. yes. And you know, I, I, but you know what? It's over, right? They spent over. money and they got better. And that's yes. rare. And I've rarely seen that in my life. The only time I've really seen the Marlins spend was in 2012 when they just threw money haphazardly at Jose Reyes and Heath they Bell crazy, and Mark Burley like so and weird. <laughs> the rainbow miserable jerseys. And, and, and here's the thing about the, the, the jerseys. <laughs> I've never seen them worn once, like ever. No one wears yeah. them. I'm going to tell you the one time I've seen it worn. I have not seen them worn once at Marlins Park or now Lone Depot. I've never seen a singular fan wear them because they are not a baseball jersey. They just don't look like a baseball jersey. They look just very random. But New York has one of the best pride parades out there. And you know where I actually saw a Marlins jersey? Was at the Pride Parade, the old Marlins jersey. And I was like, you know what? Who was? That who is was awesome. Back? That who is awesome. No, it is what? awesome. But who was on the back? Oh, damn it. I think it was a no-name jersey. I think it was a no-name jersey. That is a great question. I was just too mesmerized by it because I was like, you know what? That might be the best purpose of that jersey, right? Like, it That's represents fine. all the colors. It kind of coincides with the Pride flag. <laughs> and oh, I, I was like, it. you know what? That's where that jersey's at at this point. It's like it doesn't even represent baseball. <laughs> like it's it's being worn more at, at parades now. Uh, that was a really really funny moment to me where I was like, "Wow, 
that's the most recent. That's the, one of the only times I can recently say I've seen somebody because wear people would wear it as like a fashion thing because it doesn't look like a baseball jersey. It doesn't look like a baseball. Not putting on like the gray and red. red what were they thinking with orange like and- Dodgers, Royals, classic baseball jersey? I mean, that's just like you could wear it as a fashion piece if you dressed it up because that's what it looks like. Yeah, what they, a it's a baseball like uniform, orange and yellow and whatever. But yeah, I, I digress on that one. They spent a ton of money and they unveiled those jerseys and they're like, look at us. And then they won 74 games or whatever it was. But we have Jose Reyes and John Buck for three years, 18 million uh, and Heath Bell. Uh, it was a disaster, but the, the the crazy thing is 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 they're spending some money. I think Garcia is interesting. You know, he had a, he had a career year last year. He, he he's hits the ball really hard. He just needs to get in the air a bit more. He he makes this lineup a lot better. This, the money like people say career year because it's career for them. That doesn't yes. necessarily yeah, but yes, career for him. For him. Career for him. Yes. For him and for me. Um, yes. uh, but Stallings, I really like that move, man, because they yeah. not only is is he a Gold Glover behind the dish. I mean, no pass balls in twenty twenty. One, that's insane. But even as a 95 WRC plus guy, so let's say he's 5% below average as a hitter. The Marlins got like 30 WRC plus from their, from their catching position between Jorge Alfaro, who they traded by the way, for a player to be named later, who already will produce a better war than Alfaro, even though if it's zero, uh, the player to be named later could be me. Um, it was a good, good move because they're getting a huge offensive boost relative to, to what they were getting before and a massive defensive boost. Alfaro led Major League Baseball in pass balls despite having a quarter of the innings behind the dish of the next most pass balls. So think about that. Think about that. And now you have the polar opposite of that. You have the best. So that is a huge jump. And you think about this Marlins pitching staff. That's what I was going to say. It's not just his defense. It's the way he's going to help the Trevor Rogers, the Alcantara's, the Pablo Lopez. He's stealing strikes for those guys. Exactly. And that means a lot because they were already, I mean, we made the bet at the beginning of the season that they were going to be a top 10 team in terms of ERA. I don't know exactly where they finished, but what we both do know is that it's next good season. It's looking increasingly more like it's going to look like that again. So I really like the Stallings trade because I agree with you. I don't really care how he hits because if we're going to go back to Gary Sanchez, he had a 99 WRC plus yeah. and the Yankees brought him back. So he's, and he's like an average hitter. Like that's, that's average. So I, I hate oh God, I can't talking about him, but mm, Stallings are good for you guys. I would have loved Jacob Stallings. I would have loved Wilson Gutierrez. I would have loved Tucker Barnhart. I, Told this on the podcast, I would have preferred Barnhart. Yeah, I mean, lefty hitter and good I just defender. Want someone who's trying to catch behind the plate. He does a good job. And then it. Higgy tries, but he can't hit. Yeah. You need a hybrid. And then I see the stats that they were 16th, like together, their combo was 16th in baseball. I'm like, no fucking way it was. No fucking way it was. <laughs> Dude, they're miserable. Yeah. It, it's, it's, so we'll see. I, I could see maybe a deadline move that could be that, or like a season move at some point where, where they do something. But uh, that's, that's a fascinating storyline for, for them. But the, the last thing I want to ask you about on my, on my Marlins front then is, you know, familiar foe for you, Joey Wendell. And the Marlins yeah. made a deal that they, they go out and trade a prospect to, you know, on the prospect side, tons of upside. If you're a Rays fan listening, you know, Cameron Meisner, if you're doing a one-for-one one prospect swap, I'm happy if I'm the Rays with that return. Meisner's got plus raw power, plus runner, can play center field. 
He did not start the year great, finish strong. There's definitely a wide range of outcomes, but you're getting a high upside bat uh, with good athleticism for somebody that you didn't really need on your roster because of the depth that you have in your infield. It's a great deal for both sides, I think. You know, Wendell's somebody that that I've always liked from afar. I haven't had to play against him too much in terms of the teams I cover and the teams I follow closely. I've watched him more as of late. Uh, Was an all-star with a great first half, faded a bit in the second half. But I just see Yankees fans saying he's annoying. So I would love for you to add some color to that. (laughs) You know what? I Whenever Joey Wendell pops up to the plate, he's just so pesky. And I know they were on the same team, but he just gives me a lot of Ben Zobris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah, a guy like who can do everything well. You can put him in here, and you know what you're going to get from Joey Wendell. You know you're going to get a guy who comes to the stadium every single day and and plays his heart out and is actually just like a really solid player. Because I kind of want to just pull up his stats real quick um, because I know I can speak to just like the against the Yankees because he's just always been just a pesky player who I never wanted to see up because it was just annoying that he would just, you know, the Yankees would shift against him and then he'd just pop one the other way. And his batted ball data isn't fantastic. And he hit 265, 319, 422. So the numbers in hindsight may not look great, but I'm telling you, and if you're a Marlins fan listening to this, he really is an annoying player in the best way possible. He can play any different position. And I heard just calling like a typical utility guy. That's, I mean, so is Chris Taylor. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. You're just going to label someone like that. That's just lazy. Like is Chris Taylor's utility. Utility players are incredibly bad. People say that about Chris Taylor too, though. Like, would you it's rather not. Joey Wendell? What if I just call Joey Wendell a second baseman? Does that make him better? Yeah. Like what? It's such a good. I point. don't. I never. I never. I didn't get that. It was just like he's a utility guy. That's oh, he can play better. a bunch of positions. Oh god. What else do you want him to do? You want like, him to not? Jake Cronenworth, utility guy, loser. Ed Cronenworth's awesome. Chris Bryant, like utility guy. Yeah. Just Chris Bryant, a utility guy. And that's somewhat of a demeaning term. We got to put that out of the yeah, brains it, of people that utility guys demeaning. If one better, if Wendell's stuck at just second base, he's an above average second baseman. He's a superior, he's a superb gold glove caliber defender with good bat to ball skills. Like he would have been a, he'd be an above average, really solid second baseman. Now you pair it with the fact that he's a plus defender at third. He can play all over the diamond. He can play left. He can play right. Uh, he's, you know, I, again, and people look at, he's one of those guys where I'm ignoring the Savant page because like you point out, he just like plays pepper with the ball. He's not, he's not going to absolutely light the world on fire with his exit velos and expected batting average, but he knows how to just get hits. He knows That's how to make it happen. Look at his look at his spray chart. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's yeah. everywhere on the field. That's what I was saying about just like the poking the ball the other way or doing a job. Like that's not what comes up in the stat sheet when there's a runner on second and he grounds out to the second baseman with less than two outs, moving the guy over to third yeah. instead of another player just striking out. Like and that doesn't show up and that's the player you're getting and that's valuable in today's game. And you know what the Marlins usually did in that situation? It would be strike out and then get picked off at second. And I'm not just saying that because it's like, oh, everyone's doomsday about the, the team that they're closest to. The Marlins led the league in pickoffs by double and oh, they no, struck out as much as everybody. So, <laughs> yes. So they need guys like that. Like they had twice as many pickoffs as the next worst team. And they, we know how they did in the batter's box. They need guys like this. They need ball players. And I'm okay with that. Like he's going to be taking at bats that were had by Joe Panic. 
that says everything you need to know. So I like the move. Is Meisner a bit of a steep price? Yes. Uh, but, you know, I think that the Marlins didn't want to give up one of their pitchers in a deal like this. And I think they're looking to package those pitchers for a larger deal. And that's something that we're probably going to see in the next 24. I still do expect the Marlins to make a big deal from what I'm hearing. If it doesn't happen, I think it's going to happen on the other side of the break, but I think they want to do it before the end of this, uh, before the end of the CBA. I like the move. I'm glad you like the move. The Marlins are an improved team. I'm not saying they're making the playoffs, but you know what? This is a much more competitive team. And again, what I really like in the trend that I'm seeing across baseball is that the smaller market teams are going for it, Peter. And this is good. You know, this is good. It shouldn't just be the Yankees. It shouldn't just be the Dodgers. It should be happening across the board because fans across the country deserve to be spoiled the way you are, you know, not, it's never going to be exactly like the Yankees or the Dodgers, but fans should be able to get a little taste of it. Like we might not love the Javi Baez signing, but you know how many kids in Detroit are so pumped right now that they have a a recognizable star and a Jersey to go get, you know, that is something that, that you can't really put a value on. It's more than the 140 million that that you, you put on there. And I think that's something that I'm really happy to see across baseball right now. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's owners putting up a little smoke screen ahead of the CBA, but it is good to see these teams, the Mariners spending money. You know, there's teams that I just, I'm not used to, even the Blue Jays. I know they're really good and they're going for it now, but I'm not used to seeing them spend money either. This is really cool stuff. The Rangers have spent a billion dollars. Like this is great for baseball. And I feel like the sport, I know we're going into a lockout, but that aside, I feel like parity wise, the sport's in a pretty good spot. I agree. I totally agree. And just to speak again to the small markets, they're not done. No. Rangers are not done. I still think that it's between them and the Dodgers for Clayton Kershaw. Trevor Story and Chris Bryant have both been linked to the Mariners. Like this oh. is, it's not done. I, and that's what's so exciting because we're going to see you again tomorrow. We're basically just doing this entire week free agency re- recap. And then next week, we're going to break into the lockout stuff, tell you everything you need to know, what the owners are doing. We're going to keep you updated on there. So stay tuned. We're going to be pumping out TikToks. I think I've made like 12 in the past two days because I just <laughs> keep seeing new shit. I'm like, I got to talk about it or something. Yeah, and we're getting so many questions. And feel free. DM us on Twitter at just BB media. My personal Twitter is at Peter Apple 23. That's at arm Layton eight. I'm just on my phone all day because I'm addicted to this stuff. I go live every single day at 5 PM Eastern. Those have been getting nuts. We're just talking baseball and make us your home because I was even, <laughs> I was just watching, like I saw a tweet and then I turned on MLB network and during one of the, most exciting times in the off season, maybe in the past decade, they have just have a rerun of like an old movie. And I'm like, yeah, Bull Durham. Bull like, Durham. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, the, the Rangers just the Rangers just spent Bezos money and we're running Bull Durham for the third time <laughs> this week. Like, it's just it's just it's it's crazy. But that's what we're that's what we're here for. And we're gonna be here the rest of the way. Uh Peter. The lives have been popping, right? So definitely go check out the TikTok lives. Even if you're like, Eastern. even if you're one of those people that's like, oh, I don't use TikTok. Just join the 5 p.m. Eastern TikTok lives and talk to Peter or you know occasionally myself. Five, two, three, four. Yeah, five, who eight. gives a shit? Just ask, I, I'm answering questions about the Cardinals. Like, every, first of all, Marcus Stroman's going to be a Cardinal. I'll say it right now. I, I've I been like fighting it. on that. If he's not a Cardinal, I was wrong. But like, 
he's going to outperform. He's going to out trying to figure him out, which is going to outperform the X FIP so hard. If he's a Cardinal so <laughs> analytics, guys are going to be so confused. Uh, he, it's, he's just, they're they're going to pick it so well behind him. It's going to be nuts. It's, gonna be it's nuts. not fair. He's not actually good. It's like, he's not well, actually good. They're defending well. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be interesting, uh, but we will have a ton to discuss upon midnight tomorrow and uh, i'm excited we got a lot of fun things coming up and a lot more prospect rankings especially during the lockout as well and some fun interviews coming up over the next few weeks also peter you kind of gave the whole primer i'm gonna have an article coming up very soon with my grades on all the moves uh, around the time you're listening to this podcast uh it should be pretty close to finished a lot of good pieces coming out on just baseball. All the pieces are done. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of good pieces coming out over the next couple of days. I've been uh, looking over at the uh, dashboard and we've got some good things cooking up. Uh, oh, yeah. So any last words, Peter? Brian Cashman. When things get quiet. Generally, he makes big moves. But the fact of the matter is Lucas Litke is a Yankee, which I'm fired up about. I do love a good Lucas Litke. But Jose Peraza was your other signing. And I didn't even realize that he played shortstop, thought he was a second baseman, and our boy Ryan Fickleson <laughs> corrected me. But, Brian, if you don't make a splash and you're one of my favorite people on earth, you might lose your job. I just – Yankee fans are coming for his neck. He but, can't lose his job ever. I know. But if he signs Trevor Story to a it deal, if he trades for Matt Olson – and he trades for a young controllable starting pitcher. I'm personally sending him a holiday card saying, I'm sorry. He's just going to be us. What the fuck is this? Then we're right back into it. Yeah. I'd be tear it up. Be like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for what? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. For